The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galena. And I'm here with my buddy, Scott Chu. What's going on there, Scott? Oh, not much. You know, just just living the dream. Wife, very pregnant with twins. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm preparing for a slew of drafts I have in the next two to three weeks. Yeah, we so getting, many. You're getting a crunch time uh, when it comes to drafting. And, uh, you know, like we were talking just before the show. I'm getting kind of like uh, a feel for what your life is going to be like because I, I'm, I'm babysitting a uh, pug puppy this weekend and we were delayed in getting to start our podcast because i had to get her to go down for her nap so uh you know i'm just uh getting a little feel for what your life is going to be like in uh you know just a, a few short weeks right yeah i mean pretty you know it, it's not that different you know i i always people always talk about oh puppies and babies aren't the same but like there is a lot of similarities between the yeah. puppies and babies like, yes yes they've yes. got a lot your your schedule is now just their schedule like what yeah. When, when do I get to sleep? When do I get to rest? When do I get to do my, my stuff, my me time? It's whenever yes. they let you. Exactly. And I'm excited that we get to, uh, hopefully we get to meet each other face to face. It looks like you're coming to New York. You're doing your draft uh, uh, next Saturday. By the way, we're recording this podcast on March 12th, 11, 13 a.m. right now in Eastern Standard Time. We move the clocks ahead, but uh, we're getting ready to draft you said you, you got a, a few more coming up as well but you're uh, getting ready for your auction draft right the, this coming saturday the 18th yes sir i've got the uh the mixed auction with uh with and tout it's, and it's roto right roto scoring yeah. or yep. okay ours is ours is roto um yeah. i'm up against some dude named nick pollock never heard of him interested to see how, how nick, he does in the nick draft Pollock. But... nick pollock i, I think yeah, i haven't, haven't heard familiar. of him yeah, yeah. Nick Solik? No, no, Nick yeah, Solik. Okay. Bring, brings a bell. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, so so it'll it'll be fun. I'm gonna be I'm gonna have been awake for like 24 hours or something. Well, not quite that long, but I have to leave. You know, I'm driving so that I can turn around at any time because you know the wife's pregnant with twins could come out really at any time. So I'm driving. I'm leaving at like Saturday morning midnight, right? 12:30 mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. my draft's at 2:30, wow. and it's a 12 hour <laughs> drive. So <laughs> God bless you, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm doing games so much, Joe. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, you know, it's, it's our first, uh, both you and I first time that we're in uh, tout wars. And on Sunday, the 19th, I'm doing the 
uh, auction head-to-head 12-team league. So I'm uh, like knee-deep in my preparations too. I'm taking a look at what happened in the draft last year, uh, looking at uh, draft results from the labor-mixed auction, which happened last Sunday, um, and just trying to get an idea. You know, obviously valuing my players, putting my limits upper limits uh, on on player values and trying to figure out what's going to happen, what the room is going to be like. But we were talking just before the show how obviously every draft is different. You could make put together rankings, you could put together values, but come draft day, you don't know what's going to happen. That I mean, that's exactly right. We, we can make these, you know, I, I make the hitter list. I've got rankings out on the site right now. But you have to remember that those are a vacuum, right? Like those ranks aren't for your team. They're just in general. And after about two rounds of drafting, you no longer are in general, right? You have a team. You have strengths. You have weaknesses. You have things you need to address, right? Mm-hmm. That's in just two rounds, right? You could even argue that it happens after even one round, depending on the player you take, yeah. right? So when you're doing that, you know, part of your prep is you can set these ranges, but like those ranges need to be dynamic, right? Right. If Mm -hmm. you, I'm in a roto league. So there's, it's really difficult to punt any particular category, right? At least to an extreme. I could choose to do that because there's not an overall component, but that even just choosing to do that, which you never, I never really want to decide going in. That's a decision I would make during a draft where I'd say like, okay, I haven't been able to get any of my stolen base targets. I don't like anything that's left. I don't want to overpay for some of the guys still available. So now I will choose to, uh, now I'll choose to punt, let's say stolen bases or batting average. That's fine, but it changes the values that I put on my board, right? Mm -hmm. Because all of a sudden, right? A player's value may have been pushed up quite a bit by their stolen bases. And I'll be like, well, I don't care about that anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do any value checking on that. Whereas other players who maybe had their value pushed down a little bit because they don't steal, I might be like, oh, I'll spend an extra two or three dollars because that was assuming I wanted the steals. And now I don't. Right? <laughs> right. So that was just important to me that I get this player. And I know that other people might not value him as much. So, you know, one of the worst things I think is to be too rigid when you make those rankings. It, we can talk about people being disciplined. Like you're going to be up against Ariel Cohen. And, you know, he's. He's one of he's the creator of ATC. He's yep. one of the most disciplined guys out there. Oh yeah. But he changed like there is no way that he comes in with a set of values and does not reconsider those values during like during the draft or the auction. Right? Like that you have to do that. that yeah, you have to be flexible. Draft. You have to move yeah. with the draft. Right. It, and it's again, part of it is understanding who else is in the room with you. So sure. these you know, we talk about doing some of these industry drafts. What's kind of nice is you can go and listen to them. I've got a 12 hour drive on the way to New York and you can, <laughs> be, I, you know, you can, you know, ink it in. I'm going to be listening to the other people in my draft. Hey, think about the conversations you've had with uh, Nick Pollock o- over the past several weeks, right? You already have an insight to what he's going to do. Sorry, yeah. Nick. Yeah. You know, I, I have no <laughs> idea what he's going to do with hitters, but I have some <laughs> idea of what he's going to do on the pitching side. Right. Or at least what he value. Right now, granted, it's a little different. He likes to talk about 12 team leagues and this is a 15 team roto. So right. some of his stress, some of the guys that he would push down those Tobies, he always talks about Tobies are more valuable in a 15 team. And Toby roto stands for, uh, Oh, I you remember? can't remember what it stands for. Uh, when it comes it, to you, it yeah. Just means, it means like the average guy, right? Like who, yeah, yeah. not a big upside play, like just a dude. But but the Miles <laughs> Michaelis of the world are and, and Logan Webbs are really valuable in those because it's a bunch of steady innings and the replacement level and, 
a 15 oh, yeah. team league gets really gross. So, mm. you know, it's also one of the reasons, one of the things I'm going to do is try to listen to breakdowns of other industry drafts. Now, one thing we always talk about is no one cares about your fantasy team, right? Like nobody cares about your specific fantasy teams. Like your coworkers don't, your spouses don't, whoever don't. But there's some real interesting value to take from some of these industry drafts because you get to see what people did as their drafts unfolded, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yes, I can see someone's rankings. That's great, right? But those rankings are, as we just said, they're dynamic in a draft. Things mm -hmm. move around. Your valuations, your they change not just because you get new news or anything, but because right. you see like, okay, what did people do when they found themselves short on stolen bases, short on saves, short on run scored, what did they do, right? Who did they move up their board? What did they value, right? Who did they make big jumps on? Who did they set min picks for, right? And why? Was it a situation? Is it just because they love that player? Is it because they like they have some insider knowledge? Or is it because they just had a need? That's Half what the I time, it's sometimes someone might make a bid on a, on a player and they might think that that player is going to be valued higher. And then all of a sudden they're getting uh, value on them. And like, for instance, in last weekend's labor draft, uh, I think Trout went for 30 bucks, you know, and, and if you look at a lot of the auction calculators, uh, they value him a lot higher. Um, Dylan Cease, I think he went for, if I'm not mistaken, I think he went, went, went for 18 bucks uh, last week. And, and, Cease, I know that he has his uh, some warts, right? But he's a guy that's going to give you innings and a lot of strikeouts. So sometimes when you think about it, too, when you hear the play players uh, described and analyzed in podcasts and, and uh, radio shows and whatnot, the neg negative comments that are associated with them, so sometimes, you know, listeners take that to heart and it drives down value, you know? Yeah, and again, it's, it's another important feature of auction drafts is that in a snake draft you are simply out on certain players because you won't get to pick then right right you pick on the turn in a 15 team league there's a big group of players that are just unlikely to ever come to you unless you want to take them very early or they slip very far right in an auction everyone's on the table you can mm -hmm. bid on any especially early on you can bid on every player right mm -hmm. so like there's a bunch of people coming out of those drafts, probably kicking themselves, thinking, "I wish I hadn't just said I was out on so and so." Right, another two bucks, and I would have got. Yeah, place. yeah. What's another two bucks on on a trout? Getting him for thirty two bucks. I mean, look, yeah, I know that he, I know that he's a, I know that he has this uh, back issue that's got to be monitored. But when he's on the field, I mean, he's a forty homer guy, and 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 hopefully we've gotten to the point where the Angels have gotten to a point where they can manage uh, his injury where he gets his 500 to 550 at bats no yeah and it's again it's also wondering how disciplined folks are right because there are action auction calculators that'll tell you that mike trout is a is a 30 dollar player for example mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean people aren't gonna overbid on that Correct. it happens all the time especially at the top end of each rank you'll see overbids right so right. i know i'm going to be listening in to see what happened in auctions at third base right mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. we talked about third base a lot and that it's a position with uh, that's very top heavy. So mm -hmm. did those guys get overvalued? Like did, or did they get overbid? Like how much, how much was bid on Alex Bregman? Right. Mm -hmm. He's always, he's sort of this, like hot, he's this, he's this way to sort of judge how your league is going to look at third base. Right. Cause Alex Bregman is sort of like that. Um, he almost feels like a one person tier, right? Yeah. You have like the top, you have like the top six 
And then you have Alex Bregman, and then you sort of have everyone else. It changes so, OBP leagues. But. So in labor last weekend, he went for 16 bucks, Which actually is a little low compared right. to what auction calculators will say, right? Because maybe mm. other folks were like, ah, I don't want the middle guy. I'll wait. Ar- Arenado went for 24 So I think we both agree that like Arenado is kind of like where the top five or six um, third baseman tier like separates itself. No. Yeah. And I'd also say um, in an auction, there's a huge piece of strategy about when you nominate players, when do you nominate a specific player to go up for auction? Right. right? I know that if I am targeting the later third baseman, like middle to later third baseman, what I'm going to do. And actually I've been thinking about this strategy quite a bit. If I go into an auction and I'm like, I'm telling myself, I want everyone to, spend a bunch of money on third base because I really like maybe Alec Bohm or Yandy Diaz or, uh, you know, some, or Cabrian Hayes or Eugenio Suarez. If that's what I'm going for every single time, it's my turn to nominate. You know what I'm picking the next third baseman because I want that money spent. Yeah. I want yeah. people going that's a strategy. Like, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge, we get, get your league mates uh, to, to spend their money. Yeah. While, um, and what about like, you know, an opening bid like uh, for instance you're not going to throw out Aaron Judge for a buck you're going to throw him out for what 20 I mean you know just in terms of courtesy or etiquette in terms of an auction just to make it move along I mean it's silly to throw out like a a superstar player for a buck I mean there there are people (laughs) that will tell you that that's a good strategy because you never want to you know you, you hate to throw a bid out there and then no one bid against you because then you are kind of bidding against yourself Right. But early in the draft, like if someone doesn't do that, I will with the mm. next bid. Right? right. If they throw out judge for a buck, my next bid is Aaron Judge 25. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's, let's move this along. Right. And it, yeah. it'll get up. It'll generally get up there pretty quick. And, again, and he went for 44, yeah. by the way, uh, in yeah. the labor draft there, last week. There are very smart people that will tell you to never bid more than one dollar up. And that's a good strategy. But like, let's also remember that um, <laughs> y- you're not, you know, you're not getting Aaron Judge for four dollars. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. Like I'm again, every league is different, but they ain't that different. Like maybe in an NL only, right? <laughs> and you might get judged for four bucks, just but in case then, he gets traded to the Padres, right? <laughs> even then, so it's it's something to think about. You know, know what kind of draft you're going into. I know most people are going to do snake drafts. Drafts. Last thing I'll say is just really think about doing a an auction league. I think you'll find it's a ton of fun. It's really fun when you start talking about keepers and dynasty because it just adds a really unique flavor. Mm-hmm. It makes it harder to get generic advice, but you get to just do a lot more of the neurotic thinking that we're all kind of here to do. Right. So I, I really like auction leagues. And again, it's a way your the way to build your team is unlimited in auction. Mm-hmm. You can right. do stars and scrubs. You can do all mid-tier players, right? You can do, I'm never spending more than 30 bucks for a player. Um, I'm going to do super balance. Like you can't do that in a snake draft because in your first, with your first pick, you need to take the next best player. But in Mm -hmm. auction, you don't have to do that. You just don't. If your league starts overvaluing all the top pieces, you can decide, I'm not going to play a part in that. Right. I'll let them all go stars and scrubs. I'll go balance and I bet I can beat them. You get to be super dynamic. It's super flexible, super fun. Please give it a, you know, please give it a try. We have an auction calculator we're going to have up on the site. It's been down for a little while. We've had some bugs on the back end with that, but, but still it's really fun. And and I'm really excited for our, for our tout auctions and we'll have, we'll have some fun discussing them in, in a context that hopefully can help other people either do their auction or snake drafts. 
Yep, yep. Um, and uh, I'll just throw this out there. Maybe you could even help me out because it, it's a it's a head to head league, right? Um, and it's a points based. So you know, single you get a one point, double two points, triple three home runs, four RBIs and runs are, and and walks are one, and stolen bases two points. And then you uh, minus point five for strikeout, minus one for caught stealing. So. You know, I was just thinking about this, and I've I've got a week to really solidify my, um, my strategy. But you know, and, and I come back to what you had said in the past, like because we've been working together now for you know what is it a couple of years now, and in head-to-head leagues, for instance, you don't need to win a category by ten points. I mean, you, you know, like for instance, when it comes to stolen bases, as long as you beat your opponent for the week in a head to head competition by one, you're fine, right? So I guess you're trying to balance out uh your, your roster where you you get enough uh players where they're going to get, you know, a, a kind of a steady stream of stolen bases. I mean, you know, but at the same time, you know, when when I looking at the the hitting uh, scoring, you know, four points for a home run, I think I'm going to want to get at least two guys that are 35 and homer guys, you know, on on my team and I was looking at, you know, you know, obviously, you know, do I do I spend up on judge, you know, I, I mean, I could just as easily uh, go for an outfielder that I know is going to like a Hunter Renfro. I know is going to get 30 home runs, you know, uh, first base. I mean, you know, Freddie Freeman is way up there in value, uh, but I could get, you know, Matt Olson for a lot cheaper and he hits more home runs than Freddie Freeman these days, you know? So I, yeah. that, that's a balance. Yeah. So point points leagues are really interesting. Again, we could spend a whole episode talking about points leagues, although they're also very difficult to talk about because everyone's got different point settings. Sure. But, you know, the thing with points leagues is it doesn't matter how they get the points. So the reason Freddie Freeman's going to be so far up there in those is because he doesn't strike out a lot and he puts a ton of balls in play. Right. So he gets those singles, those doubles all over the place where Matt Olson is a little bit more home runner bust, right? Not entirely, but that's a big part of his game. So that, that batting average, you know, batting average isn't a category, but it sort of is right. That's why a player like Luis Arias is so valuable in those leagues because Mm -hmm. those singles and doubles don't matter for regular fantasy because singles and doubles probably aren't a category, but they are points, right? Yeah. And looking at Matt Olson, right? He had 35 doubles in 2021 and 44 last year. So he's going to give me 35 home runs and then a ton of doubles. And they're worth two points each. Yeah. And the doubles matter. So, you know, there's no more useful tool heading into a points league than an auction calculator. Fangraphs has a good one. You know, we're going to have a good one when it comes up, but it's really the best way because if all you do is look at the categories, you're just, your brain is going to over is going to overestimate the impact of certain things. Like the moment you said minus 0.5 for Ks, there's players in everyone's mind that started flashing, like avoid this guy, avoid this guy. But that might not be true because they do so much other stuff, right? Right. Like players who strike out a lot, but also walk a lot. have now offset that problem because a walk is worth more than a strikeout. Right. 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 So if they're walking quite a bit, then they've already canceled out that that strikeout problem. Now, granted, a walk isn't as good of a hit as a hit, because a walk is unlikely to create an RBI. It's never going to turn it, you know, it can't squeeze by and turn into a double. Like it's always just that one point. But 
it still matters because that minus 0.5 is now offset. As long as that strikeout to walk rate is decent, like a 10% walk rate and 20% strikeout rate means that's all canceled out in the wash, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, just a lot of things to think about. Those auction calculators can really help you understand what types of players are valued more or less. Mm -hmm. You'll generally find in a league like that where it's only two points for a stolen base. So stolen base is worth about the same as hitting a double. Right. But how many 30 double players are there and how many 30 stolen base players are there, right? right? And then you also have to take into account that you lose a point every time they get caught. Starling Marte was caught a ton of times last year, right? Right. So so that takes stuff out too. So you tend to find that these stolen base guys don't matter. Bobby Witt, I'm guessing, is probably way down compared to his normal ranking in that league because in Roto, stolen bases have a disproportionate amount of value. Mm-hmm. And in points, they are just not that valuable at all. Hmm. Right, because it's only two points. Yeah, but you know, he, in terms of him, thirty stolen bases last season, got caught seven times, hit twenty home runs, and thirty-one doubles. So you know, the, the double. I'm looking at doubles too. You know, and you mentioned doubles obviously being important. But uh, yeah, this is this is really fun to 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 look at the the uh, point structure in the league and trying to figure out a strategy. You know. Yeah. So other than get the most points. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's the strategy. Just win every week, right? So all right. This might be actually a, a good time to take our first break. And then uh we want to talk about some uh player injuries, some um players that are moving up and down in ADP, maybe even some WBC uh observations. We'll be back right after this. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, we're back. Jackson Jackson Fantasy Baseball Podcast. So, uh, Scott, have you, have you been watching any of the WBC? When I can, you know, it's on at a little bit of weird hours, but I love the energy. I love how oh exciting. The, the, it's not that, you know, in spring training, everyone's trying to get like get loose or whatever. In the WBC, these guys are trying to win games. Yes. I love it. I love the energy coming out of teams like, you know, Taiwan. And I mean, just, you know, Italy, Italy has an espresso. Uh, did you? It, it did, out. I'm going to tell you, I haven't watched much myself either, but this morning I watched a few minutes of the uh, Italy-Netherlands game. Try to catch the video of uh, pitcher Joe LaSorsa got out of a bases-loaded jam in the sixth against the Netherlands. His reaction, like, 
in in a in a regular MLB baseball game, <laughs> the next inning, the next batter up would have gotten beamed in the head the way that this guy acted. But just, like you said, just the energy that these players have uh, is really really refreshing to see. And but but on the other hand, uh, I don't want any of my fantasy players to be part of the WBC. I don't even know why. Why is Juan Soto? Uh, he's been dealing with this calf injury. Why is he playing? Why are the Padres letting him play? I mean, I'm glad he is because <laughs> I want I want to see him play. Why? Because yeah, uh, I, I understand why you'd want him because because now you feel more comfortable in drafting him. But you just hope that well, he doesn't because I aggravate like watching it. him play. I know, right? <laughs> but you don't want him to. You don't want him to aggravate it, especially if you ha- uh, roster him in a dynasty league or if you did an early season draft. It's like you know, please, you know, treat him with kid gloves. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, speaking of Juan Soto, if you're in points leagues, he tends to be the best player uh, because he has those crazy walk rates, tons of balls in play, never strikes out, those kinds of things. But you know, with Juan Soto, again, I I think one of the if they're letting him play in the WBC. Uh, you know, the Padres aren't that stupid. If they are letting him play, it's because they probably don't think that he will be in a position to hurt himself more because they won't let him. Right. Right. And and so you're giving and, the Padres a lot of credit. And yeah, they're a great organization, I'm sure. I love the way that they've been aggressive in getting players. But, you know, like Chris Sale, right? The Red Sox signed him a few years back to a long term deal. And I'm like. You know, he had been injury prone up until that point. And I'm like, well, look, if, if the Red Sox assign him to a long term deal, he should be, you know, healthy and whatnot. And what has happened since he signed that long term deal? He's just been on the he's got a Tommy John surgery. He's been on the I.L. Whatnot. So don't give these these organizations too much credit there, Scott. For being well, smart. you know, not not too much. But in the in the short term, they're not too bad at evaluating risk. And. Also, you have to remember there is a human component here. If they want to keep Juan Soto long term, they might need to let him do this mm-hmm. because he almost certainly is dying to play for the Dominican Republic. And if you don't on a world him, stage, yes, he's that yeah. kind of guy. Yeah, that thrives if you on don't that. let him, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to be like the Brewers and you know just upset every good player that falls into your lap. Uh, Corbin right? Burns, uh, you're not that yeah. good. You're not that good. <laughs> I mean, that's to be fair. That's the entire point of arbitration. Is right. for teams to tell players they aren't that good, so they don't have to pay them. But again, right. that could also be its own podcast. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, I think with the with the WBC, it, it is good to see players in game situations. I mean, it's just spring training with more energy for a lot of these guys. If they are hurting, they won't play. Uh, but what I don't like, dude, is that they're not using the new rules. You know, so now this is an important spring training. Now, everyone's coming in this season saying, wow, you know, it's the first spring training, no COVID, uh, no threat of a work stoppage and this and that. But there is an adjustment going on right now to the pitch clock, the uh, getting in the box and uh, engaging with the pitcher. Uh, But that's not, you know, it's almost like some of the players are probably breathing a sigh of relief because they don't have to deal with these new rules. Uh, I don't like that. Yeah. that, that's an issue to an extent, but for a guy like Vinny Pasquantino, who played in the minor leagues last year, pa- Pasquatch. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the minor leagues had these rules last year. Mm-hmm. So anyone that played in the minors last year is ready for it. And it's not as though you can't simulate a play clock, right? Well, yeah, like, sure you can. Yeah, of course. It is the kind of thing. And, and I do think, you know, there's been a lot of discord. We're not discourse about uh, the new rules. We've talked about them a little bit in a past show. I, 
I think the only thing to do wrong is to overvalue the impact of these rules because the league will adjust to them like they adjust to everything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. The first month, month and a half of regular season baseball is going to be interesting and a lot of fun. But, uh, oh, okay, so uh, we talked uh, about the WBC. Uh, I had read last night, and you got to help me out here if this is actually true, because uh, I've been uh, babysitting the pug, but Corbin Carroll signed the, an extension, eight-year extension with the D-backs. Uh, he sure I did. Very, 111 very million. Braves of them. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a club option, which brings the total up to 134 million. Uh, Corbin Carroll, you know, a speedster. <laughs> uh, actually, and his ADP has gone up uh, about 7% over the past week, uh, one of the movers and shakers. Uh, any any uh, shares of him yet there, Scott? Not not quite yet, but not because I don't want him, but because mm-hmm. I just haven't been able to draft them. I think in OBP leagues, he should move up your board. He's got excellent play discipline. We didn't see a ton in his mm-hmm. debut last season uh, that would make you think, oh my gosh, just the best prospect in baseball. But let me be clear, he is, as long as he has his eligibility, he is the best prospect in baseball right now. And you should be very excited about him. I think he's going to, the steals, I think, should be an impact right away. I think the OBP will be an impact right away. It's going to be a question of how much the power play is early because there's a little more to power than just being strong, right? You got to time. You got to find these. You got to find the ball in the zone. More pitchers have more ways to attack you. You know, in, in the minors, you run into a lot of guys who have just two pitches and maybe one of them is major league quality. In the majors, everybody's got one or two major league quality pitches, if not three or four. So it can be a little bit more difficult. But again, that's a thing to watch for. You know, and I know we're going to talk more about spring training, but one of the things to watch for in spring training is is not so much just power because, you know, the fields are all different. Some of mm-hmm. them are more hitter friendly. Some of them are more pitcher friendly. But what you do get to see is play discipline. Mm-hmm. And yes, they are going to face a lot of hitter or pitchers that maybe aren't super major league quality, but I am looking for changes or, you know, sort of reaffirming how guys are in the box. Corbin Carroll has looked pretty good this spring. So, you know, he's a player that, you know, I'm still excited about because I know he's got the play discipline and I know he's got the talent. So there's a bit of risk in taking him, especially because you kind of need to take him as your outfielder one or two. But mm-hmm. I still think Corbin Carroll is someone that you can definitely target, especially in OBP especially if you're in a league who, where you start to see that he's slipping because folks really want the safer play at the top. Uh, he ha- That has happened in a few leagues. I wasn't there in time to scoop him up in a snake draft. But if that happens, be ready because I do think Corbin Carroll is a major contributor, especially if you care about stolen bases. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of early season drafters uh, breathing a sigh of relief, including myself, uh, with uh, Jordan Alvarez, outfielder for the Astros, finally getting to swing a bat. Um, I picked him with the, I think it was the 14th overall, my TGFBI league, which started in the middle of February. Um, and, you know, there were whispers about the, the wrist issue and him not swinging a bat. But then, you know, week by week, did he swing yet? No. Did he swing yet? No. And then all of a sudden, I actually saw this morning on Sunday that he swung a bat uh, and no issues. So, um, you know, ha- had you been avoiding him or whatnot? Or, you know, what's your take on uh, Alvarez? I've not been avoiding him in the slightest. Uh, as of right now, we still think he'll be ready for opening day. If he's not ready quite for opening day, I don't expect him to miss more than like a week. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he's a hitter. He he doesn't need that same kind of ramp up time that a pitcher does. If he's taking swings, he's taking batting practice, he's ready to play. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes, there's always a little bit of adjustment time, but 
uh, it as of now, it still sounds like he's going to be there. And let's be clear, we never thought he was going to play 152 games. 100 or even 100. I was hoping. Not 162. Maybe, <laughs> no, not 162. Maybe no. He played 135 games last year with 37 home runs, 95 runs scored, 97 RBI, and a 306 mm-hmm. batting average, 406 OBP. Jordan Alvarez will get you the numbers as long as he only misses about 20 games. Mm-hmm. Right? 20 to 30 games is about how much we might expect him to miss. That's, you know, one long IL stint or a couple, you know, it's just days off here and there. He's still. I mean, I don't think anyone should be changing their projections on Jordan Alvarez right now. And if you've got good projections and you know that he's a, you know, borderline top five outfielder, I mean, he's at the end of the first, you know, at the end of the first round there, I think that's excellent value. Yeah, sure. He doesn't steal bases, but he does everything else. Yes, absolutely. Uh, any other injuries uh, causing you concern? I, I know on a personal note, uh, Harrison Bader uh, for a Yankee outfielder that probably not being drafted except for five outfielder leagues. Maybe you, you might make him your, your third outfielder because of the stolen base potential, but expected to miss up to six weeks due to an oblique strain. Uh, I would love to see Jason Dominguez and his, uh, I think he has four preseason home runs already given a, a legit shot to make the Yankee roster, but has only five games in double a wasn't very impressive in the Arizona fall league, but uh, Willie Calhoun has had uh, a pretty good uh, spring and it uh, looks like Esteban Floreal might benefit a little bit from this, but you know, hasn't done much of anything in small sample sizes in the bigs. but any other, uh, Injuries that are giving you pause? Well, the, with the Bader one, I think the real winner here is, is Oswaldo Cabrera. I think yeah. he's going to be the one that's going to slot in there. He's got power and speed. The batting average won't be great, but I think, you know, if you look at roster resource right now, they have him hitting fifth. Right. Right. So, look, I don't know what his full season value will be because as soon as Bader is ready, there's a big log jam there uh, for the Yankees and he becomes a part-time player. But man, for the month of April, Oswaldo Cabrera could be a heck of a player. And in 12 team leagues, especially 12 team with three outfielders, I I love picking him up in your draft because, you know, as your third outfielder or maybe that, that one, you know, that second utility guy or something like that, because you get a whole month of production out of him in an ideal spot in the lineup with very little real competition. I am not worried about Oswaldo Cabrera splitting time. He is a switch hitter, so it's not like they need to put in Floreal, who, you know, I, I, I Floreal is at one time a top 100 prospect because he's got power, speed, and all those things, but he has contact right. problems. So there's yes. only so much I think he can really put pressure on the rest of the lineup. So Oswaldo, Oswaldo Cabrera is really the big winner there. I think a guy who I have we've talked about a little bit who had had a ton of helium. I think the biggest one to watch for right now is Jordan Walker. Jordan Walker dealing with a strained shoulder. That uh, we just found out. There's no. It's not clear whether or not he's day to day. So technically, it's not clear whether he'll miss time at the beginning of the season. But yet another reason for the Cardinals to not put him on the major league roster on day one. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, it's hard to project more. I mean, it's a. Re- what do you know? It's a real crowded outfield for the Cardinals. No matter how many guys the Cardinals get rid of, they've got a crowded outfield, right? Yeah. Tyler O'Neill isn't hurt yet. So there's still a lot of, you know, there's a lot of bodies in that outfield. It's really hard to know who's going to play. Jordan Walker, I think, uh, is a guy you should be excited about. He's had an amazing spring. He has tons of power. He's looked great. He has a limited minor league track record so far in terms of the high minors, but he's looked really good. It's just hard to project more than half a season. And the higher up he goes in drafts, the harder it is for me to say, yeah, go for it, especially in like a Yahoo style league where there's no corner infield. You only get the three outfield spots. It's really hard to buy in totally because number one, he's only going to be third base eligible to start the season. 
uh, which, I mean, third base is a position of need, but also you only need one or two on your roster, especially mm-hmm. in those kind of formats. Number two, again, he may only be a part-time player because there are other major league caliber players to play in that outfield. Right. Right. It, uh, how about Alec? This might give uh, Alec Burleson a, a, a shot to to make the team or uh, get get a call. Definitely should be a guy that you keep on your uh, watch list. I mean, the guy's batting 300, 350, 492 in, in just two minor league seasons, but somebody to really look at. Yeah. And I've really liked Lars Newtbar. He's someone who. Yeah. He's if, a guy that a lot Jordan, of people like. Yes. Yeah. And if Jordan Walker makes the roster, who loses time? Right. Mm-hmm, it's going mm-hmm. to be a mixture of guys. I'm not sure any of them will play seven days a week. Right. I think mm-hmm. they all might be kind of rotating in and out. So really hard to see what's going on there. But that is a big injury to watch for. Of course, we don't talk about pitchers much. Carlos Rodon. Uh, look, there's a lot of ways people for go to go on this. We know a couple things from Rodon. I'm the type who does tend to try to believe the player and the team a little bit first. There's a lot of doom and gloom out there where they say expect it, you know, I'm just prepared for him not to play for the whole season. Look, if you want to be miserable, that's fine. Go ahead and do that, right? But for those of you who have drafted Rodon, who are thinking about drafting Rodon soon, I still have him inside my top 20 at starting pitcher because he may miss a month of the season, right? That'll probably put him around 130 to 150 innings, depending on exactly how much of April he misses. But again, he did that in 2021. And guess what? He finished as like the 12th starting pitcher because he's yep. been so good when he plays. So, uh, yes, again, there is some risk You make there. me feel good when you say that, because I, I drafted him in the fifth round of my Raz Slam, which is a best yeah. ball, so which is cool. So, I mean, yeah. so you know, go ahead, I'm with sorry. With Rodon, you, yeah. you also have to remember, like, his his own words have said, "In I've, I went through this last year and played through it. I mm-hmm. would be playing through it now if it were midseason or late season, right? right? And, again, you know, I, I do think there's some merit to the concept of with Carlos Rodon, they want him ready for the full season. So why pitch through it now? Right. right Again, right. you should move him down your boards. He was probably a top five to seven pitcher for you before. Now he's more like top 17 to 20, 17 to 25, depending on how much risk tolerance you're willing to take on what your roster looks like by that point. But don't take him off your board. Look, some right. of you are going to do that. That's fine. You have major risk tolerance issues. That's okay. Sure, right? You can sure. build teams well that way, but you don't have to do that. Or if mm-hmm. you've already drafted, your season's not over, folks. Like right. him missing the month of April stinks. Mm-hmm. But if all he does is miss the month of April, you still, I mean, if I told, if you drafted Carlos Rodon and I told you, don't worry, he's like, he's Garrett, you know, I still think he, fin- you know, he finishes as pitcher number 15. It Does that mean you lost, right? Like you're, you're, starting pitcher one or two finishes as a top 15 starting pitcher or a top 20 starting pitcher. Like that's what you wanted. That's right, what you right. get. It just will look a little different than you may have expected. I like, so. I like Mr. Optimist here over here because on the one hand, you're right. You know, he, he pitched through it last season, uh, you know, had a forearm strain. On the other hand, you can look at it. If you're a, a negative Nelly that, you know, this is a recurring injury. That's going to eventually need TJ surgery because it's a forearm. But I love the, uh, the optimism on your part, Mr. Chu. Well, it's spring. You got to have it, right? Especially for the folks <laughs> that already drafted, right? Like, don't don't be sad yet. Now, again, move him down your board. See how your league adapts. Really interested to see what happens in auction for Carlos Rodon. Right. But Could be a it, big it is, uh, discount. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be it's, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, and, of course, the, the big name that's going to come out of that that everyone should be paying attention to, that is Clark Schmidt. Right. Uh, he's took the words you, right out of my mouth. Yes. Yeah. He he's at the back of that. Now again, Nestor Cortez has been dealing with some injury as well. I'm interested to see if he is ready for the start of the season. It sounds like he will be. Thankfully but, it's a hamstring and not his arm. 
Yeah, 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 it it is, and it, it's slowing down his ramp up a little bit. Um, we'll see what if that does turn into anything. But the only one I think right now that's draftable out of all this is Clark Schmidt. I think he's worth a look in the back of drafts, especially in those shallower leagues, because he should get some opportunities early. Um, it doesn't really change anything for me on Domingo Herman though, just because uh, he was already going to be in the rotation and he's fine. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, couple other pitchers, uh, Ranger Suarez for the Phillies forearm tightness. Uh, to me, that just elevates uh, a guy like uh, Bailey Falter. He's had a bad spring, but uh, decent uh, minor league numbers. And now on top of that, the Phillies with Andrew Painter, who had a bunch of helium being shut down as well with a ulnar collateral ligament sprain. So, uh, you know, actually, uh, I'm going to make a confession. I, I got auto drafted in my TGFBI because sometimes when you deal with these, it's all my fault, but sometimes when you deal with these slow pitch clocks and it's the end of the day, you know, you keep on waiting for the person uh, ahead of you to make the pick. And then all of a sudden, uh, he makes the pick late in the day, and then, you know, you go to bed, and then the timer ran out. So I got picked, auto-picked on Andrew Painter. What am I going to do? Uh, probably not much of anything. I, <laughs> that That's a tough one. Again, with these sprains, you can't just have surgery, right? You, sur- surgery doesn't fix sprains, hmm. right? You, you can't can't do it to rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it has to be rest. So anyone who's talking about he should just have surgery is wrong, fundamentally, mm-hmm. because you can't surgically repair a sprain. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> it, it just doesn't work that way. You can't just right. get it out of the way because it has to actually tear. Um, mm-hmm. You could replace the ligament, I guess. But for what? Sprains can heal. Um, again, track record is not great, but uh, it is something that could happen. Uh, you know, I really what I'd really love to see out of this is Matt Strom getting a look in the mm. rotation again. Uh, he's in their bullpen right now, and he's been electric as part of a bullpen. His ERA doesn't always look good, but, man, the guy can strike out a lot of guys. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, I would be interested to see it if it ever did happen again. It just won't. But, right. yeah, Bailey Falter's probably the one that slides in. You know, he, he's already in. He's he's fine. Uh, he's young. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But, you know, there's, there's still going to be more injuries happening. We're going to hear a lot about them for the next two weeks. We're going to hear about them in the first part of April, especially when we start seeing guys pitching in cold weather. Try not to panic. Um, you know, injury risk tolerance is a big thing to think about, but just, you know, don't, don't panic just because a guy won't be ready for opening day, especially on the hitter side, because mm-hmm. a, a week worth of at-bats just doesn't matter that much in terms of guys that we were expecting to have 500 to 600 plate appearances, a week's worth of at-bats just don't matter. Right. Right. It matters maybe in a head-to-head league for a week, but in Roto, it just doesn't. Mm-hmm. You'd rather have them be healthy if if that's all you have to trade is, is a week. You know, guys are going to miss a week here and there. Very few players play 160 games. So mm-hmm. maybe, you know, you add, you, you take off five, go, go to anyone's projection, take off five or six games and see if it changes where they rank. It just really doesn't. Right, right. Okay, so uh, another good spot for us to take a quick break. Uh, we talk about third base as being uh, a position where just not a lot of depth, but there's a couple of uh, third basemen that have been just killing it in spring training. I want to talk to Scott about that, uh, talk about a little bit more of uh, some risers and fallers, and then Scott's going to try to convince me to draft Spencer Talkleson right, uh, when we come back. So we'll be right back right after this. 
And we're back. Hacks and Jacks Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, I had teased a, a couple of third basemen that are having pretty big springs and just wondering if they have a shot to actually make their respective teams. Um, Christian Incarcion Strand, uh, first base, third base, eligible in some leagues. Uh, is having a huge spring there, Scott. Last I looked, four home runs, 13 RBI, 625 batting average. Uh, had 32 home runs and 114 RBI uh, for three teams in the minor leagues uh, last season. Uh, highest, uh, his highest team played for is a double A team. Uh, but uh, what are you thinking about in Carcion Strand as a dart throw late in drafts, especially, you know, if, uh, you know, the Reds start to rest Votto even more. Uh, the fact that Incarcion Strand can play some first place base as well. Yeah, so he's he's kind of interesting very, very late. Like, I'm not sure he actually makes the team out of spring. He's definitely a name to watch for. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you know, I, I expect him to actually start the season in AAA, but he looked amazing in AA. Uh, and the guy in front of him is actually a fairly unproven, but not necessarily, you know, nobody in Spencer Steer, right? Yeah, we so we've talked spoken to, about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have spoken about Spencer Steer. Uh, so part of the thing was that he had no competition, and now he kind of does. Yes. Uh, he, he is a he's a power bat. He's not. He's really more for AL only in deep leagues because I think he's going to be an accumulator. But mm-hmm. if he is not right, if he's unable to really get the ball rolling for Cincinnati, then I, I think you know because he, he's really not a good defender and by not a good defender i mean he's a, a really bad defender and he hasn't been that much better in the spring so uh it spencer steer is the only thing in front of him, which means there is a path forward i think definitely in dynasty leagues leagues with very very deep benches where you might hold some guys who are not in the in the major leagues yet there's definitely mm-hmm. dart throw potential there i just i don't want someone to think in a 12 team league that he should be on your board right he's not but he's someone that might be on your watch list because again, yep. if he does get up to Cincinnati, he could hit a bunch of home runs because it's not a very big ballpark. We talk about that all the time. So, uh, and it's hard to pitch in Cincinnati in the winter or well, not the winter, but like around here, April is winter. <laughs> like it's still <laughs> winter up here. It's not spring. Uh, that's, that's why spring training is not hosted in the great state of Michigan or Ohio. Right. <laughs> we don't, we don't, we don't host it here because it's ugly here. So I that's think like my, my, my daughter uh, took a trip this weekend to Chicago. That's why I'm, I'm babysitting the bug. And as she was prepping for this, she's like, yeah, maybe I could see the Cubs in spring training. I'm like, honey, <laughs> you go to Chicago and the Cubs uh, do not uh, have their spring training facility uh, in the Windy City in March. And even if they did, you didn't. You don't want to go. It's cold. I, I went to a Cubs game in in May. Where we had to wear. Uh, we had to buy winter jackets. It was so I got, cold. I got like three inches. Of, I got like two inches of snow last night. Right. Like, <laughs> it's not not the time, but he is interesting. If only because there's not much in front of him. If Spencer, right. especially if Spencer Steer starts slow at all. Right. right? We're we'll talking about Incarcion Strand. Yeah, so Encarcion Strand has a chance if Steer starts out slow at all. Uh, there might actually be someone who can push him now. Mm-hmm. What about uh, Mets uh, third base prospect Brett Beatty? Uh, had a cup of coffee uh, with the team last season. Having a nice spring, a 4 9 batting average with a 1.071 OPS. Obviously just you know, 25 plate appearances, but in three minor league seasons has a career 289, 390, 493 triple slash. 
Uh, he had 19 home runs, 60 RBI in 95 games, mostly in double A uh, last season, but uh, had a few at bats in triple A. Um, only 11 games in the bigs, but had a 90% K rate. So he wasn't totally overwhelmed, but again, only 11 games. What do you think about uh, Brett Beatty's chance uh, uh, to securing a spot on the big league roster? Man, that that's another really difficult roster to break into because they've got Eduardo Escobar still on that team. Just really, yeah. I think, plugging up third base. You obviously are not going to put him at first base with Pete Alonso there. Uh, there might be some room at DH, but... Uh, Darren Ruff still there to be DH Tommy Pham. I expect to take some DH uh, plate appearances here and there. And Daniel Vogelbach, of course, who, you know, walks and hits righties and doesn't do anything else. He's all there. Even if he got up, I'd, I'd wonder he does have five hard hit. Well, actually more than hard. He has five batted balls over a hundred miles an hour so far this spring. Pretty good number for Beatty. Uh, a lot of them have been fairly low hit balls, like less than 10 degree launch angle. But he did have one that was a little bigger, did not get any results for it. But, uh, you know, I, I like Beatty. I think there's still a lot to be excited about from his from a prospector's perspective. I'm sorry. He had four. He had four hard hit balls over 100 miles an hour. But he's it, it's just hard to find the opportunity. And as much, you know, it, you love to bet on talent, but you can't bet on talent when there's absolutely no opportunity. And right now, that's what it looks like because it doesn't matter what Eduardo Escobar does in spring. He's probably the starting third baseman either way. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, let's take a look at some uh, players that are rising and falling in ADP. Uh, we already spoke about Jordan Walker and uh, interesting to see what the next week looks like uh, in terms of because of his shoulder injury. But prior to that, had uh 11.4 rise in his average pick in ESPN leagues. So uh, we already spoke about him. But you know who else is going up? Uh, and we don't really talk pitchers a lot. But uh, Chris Sale, 10.7 rise in his average uh, pick in ESPN leagues. And uh, look, the guy uh, I spoke about him a couple of minutes ago where, you know, injury history and all that, but throws uh, two innings of shutout ball and all is forgotten. Uh, I mean, good news is, is that his most recent injuries after that TJ surgery weren't really shoulder uh, related. He had a workout injury with his ribs and finger injury due to a comeback into the mound and it was a dope and got into a bicycle accident and hurt his wrist. But um, do you have any shares of Chris Sale? And, you know, I guess he's probably going in, in the middle innings at this stage, no? Yeah, so his ADP has definitely moved up a bit. I'm, I'm excited because we haven't seen him uh, in quite a while. But you also have to remember, we actually haven't seen him be super good in quite a while, right? So mm -hmm. he did pitch a mostly a full season back in 2019, but the results weren't really there. Now the FIP and the underlying metrics were there, but he had a 440 ERA in that 2019 season. Of course, the home run fly ball spike sort of happened to him, which, you know, kind of happened everywhere in 2019. But, uh, you know, I like Chris Sale, just making sure that you already have innings, uh, but definitely is a part of the middle of your rotation. Of course, he's going up because he's pitching, right? And we, we want yeah. him to pitch. Uh, but again, it is quite a while since we've seen him pitch any major innings. It's you know, mm -hmm. 2019's the last time. We'll we'll see how it goes, but definitely worth a look. Just keep in mind that it's a it's a high upside, low floor kind of play. Just yep. know what you're getting into. I like Chris Sale in the sense that he's definitely on my board. It's just mm -hmm. I I often take my pitching risk at like closer to the top, so I don't usually have the room for him. Mm -hmm. Uh. Arizona Diamondbacks have a lot 
of speed in their outfield. We spoke about Corbin Carroll already getting the uh, extension on his contract and uh, being a speedster. Uh, Alec Thomas is another speedster, but uh, Jake McCarthy, his average pick has gone up 8.6% over the past week. And if you look at what this guy did in his final 63 games of last season, uh, he had uh, five home runs, 34 RBI, uh, but the stolen bases uh, were key. He had 21 stolen bases, only got caught three times in the final 63 games. Actually, probably, uh, you know, helped out uh, a lot of teams to win their leagues in that last month. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he drove a lot of people, uh, you know, to where he needed to be. He's not hitting well. It's funny because he's moving up, but it's not because of how well he's doing in spring. Right. right. He's got a 421 OPS so far this spring. I'm not really looking for that much for him in the spring. Uh, he wasn't someone that I was really just thinking like, oh, I need to see, you know, I have an article out there about what I was looking for in spring and Jake McCarthy just wasn't really something I cared about that much. He's not striking out a ton. He's only got four strikeouts. So uh, sorry, he has four strikeouts. Yeah, no, just four, four strikeouts so far in 26 at bats. So not really something that I'm worried about, but you know, it, it I think he's just moving up because people realize how good he was right? right now. Now the numbers we're referencing in terms of moving up are from ESPN. So right. those are 12 team leagues, uh, not the same as NFBC ADP and Jake McCarthy is definitely someone who should, will actually move down my board when I'm looking at head to head leagues simply because I just don't value stolen bases as much in a head to head league. So Jake McCarthy just doesn't have as good of a place on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we spoke a little bit about Tyler O'Neill just a couple of seconds ago, you were talking about his injury history and his ADP uh, in uh, ESPN leagues up 7.6% over the past week. Uh, again, it's not because of his spring training. He's batting 143 uh, this spring in uh, 16 plate appearances and really coming off a, a poor season where the strikeout rate was improved, but still just about 27% batted 228, 14 homers, 14 stolen bases. Um, and uh, the, the uh, projection models, they expect him to hit somewhere in the 240s, 250 range with a you know 20 plus, 20 plus uh, p- potential in terms of home runs and stolen bases. Uh, what do you think is driving his uh, move up the boards in ESPN leagues? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> we haven't really learned anything new about what Tyler O'Neill is or what right. you know what he's bringing to his team right now. As a, the biggest thing right now is that he's healthy, right? Mm-hmm. That's a big deal because that's really the main thing you're looking for uh, in Tyler O'Neill. Because as a healthy player, there's no reason he can't threaten 30 home runs and 20 stolen bases. Now that mm-hmm. that is something very much in his wheelhouse. I think the 286 batting average we saw in 2021 is nuts. I don't mm. think that's really on the table, but 250 to 260, I think is very realistic. If he's walking close to 10% of the time, like he did last season, I think he'll have a decent OBP as well, but it's really the power and speed you're after. So I, as he's healthy, he will move up boards, right. but that's about it. It shouldn't be that much because there's still all the risk there. But again, being healthy at the start of the season does mean a lot for players that are injury prone. And when you're looking at Tyler O'Neill this spring, all you're thinking is, is he hurt? Right. Does he look hurt? <laughs> are you taking? Yeah. Are you taking any chances on Jerry Kellenick, uh, who's killing it this spring? Four home runs, uh, seven RBI, and one stolen base. Four twenty nine batting average in twenty three plate appearances. Uh, you know, I'm sure that there are a lot of 
fantasy baseball managers who've been, uh, you know, been there, done that in terms of Jerry Kellenick. But should we trust them this time? <laughs> you know, I, I I thought it was a mistake. I mean, so first of all, he is having an amazing spring. It's weird. He doesn't actually do, he doesn't actually have any batted balls over 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite all this success, which is kind of weird. Don't read into it too much, but it is, it's at least weird, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, he should certainly have more than that. It, it is a, the news I want to hear is that they're going to start him, right? Because right now he's not projected to be a starter. I don't believe for the Mariners. So mm-hmm. with that, you know, and it's not as though, I mean, there are, there's a lot of right-handers in this lineup, which means there's room for a lefty, but where, right? Maybe DH with AJ Pollock, uh, but Tasker Hernandez is going to play every day. Julio mm-hmm. Rodriguez is going to play every day. So Kalanick, you know, might be the large side of a platoon, right? So uh, he might just be their everyday left fielder and he'll switch out with, you know, any number of random guys they pull up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so he's, he might start on opening day if they play a righty. Right. But I'd love to see full time at bats. But with the ADP being so low right now, uh, I think you have to take some kind of chance because even if the batting average is never what we hoped. Right. Even if that, you know, that doesn't work out. I'm still very much excited about the fact that he could still be a you know 20 to 25 in a full season. I think he could be a 25 home run, 15 stolen base kind of player. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just don't, you know, sort of like a poor man's version of Tyler O'Neill. Right. Who doesn't have a durability problem as much as he has a contact problem. So as I'm looking at Jared Kellenick, you know, this spring, what I'm also really looking at is, is he striking out a ton? That's really been the thing that's crushed him in the major leagues. As of right now, he has only six strikeouts in his 23 at bats, Uh, six strikeouts, two walks. That's pretty good. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's less than I'm looking at the home runs because he's about to go to a very, very difficult place to hit. Right. Spring, the spring training stadium is much better for Seattle than their real home ballpark. Mm-hmm. So with him, I really want to see, does he strike out, you know, make, you know, making contact. That's good. I don't really care that. I don't really care if it's doubles or home runs or whatever. I want to see right. he's making contact. And he is, he's got 10 hits already in nine Kalenic, games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Kalanick. But you know, again, it's the six strikeouts. I don't want to see any big spikes in that, but as of right now, looking pretty good on the strikeout front, that's what I care about the most. Right. Okay. Um, let's uh, take a look at a couple of ADP fallers, and then I want to get your take on uh, a couple of Tiger players. I'm sure you're chomping at the bit with that. But uh, <laughs> Tyler Glass now, uh, oblique strain, going to miss up to two months. Uh, Joe Musgrove dropped a, a weight on his big toe, but might be ready for the start of the season. And Jurickson Profar, who's a free agent, but uh, rumors that the Rockies are interested in him. They're the top three in terms of fallers in, in ADP over the past week. Uh, in ESPN, but uh, Seiya Suzuki down a 13.1% dealing with an oblique injury, original six, six week window to recover oblique injuries, never easy to recover from. No, they aren't. And you know, he will start the season on the IL probably. Uh, I don't know if that they've made that official yet, but that it's just likely it, it does open up some room on the Cubs roster to, to see a couple at bats for maybe like Edwin Rios, uh, who is someone who I think is interesting because he's got a bunch of power. He, he might DH for them. I think it's going to make Patrick Wisdom an everyday player. Uh, you know, as far as the Cubs go, you know, say a Suzuki, I'm worried a little bit. It, we've seen this really kill guys like uh, George Springer, 
George mm. Springer's really dealt with some oblique injuries, and, and they can really hang around because the only way to really fix it, it's a core injury. The only way to fix it is to rest and not play. Right. So hopefully, say it's Suzuki can get, can get over that. I think you just got to keep watching the news, and, and don't be that surprised if he goes back on the IL after he comes out, especially if you know it's it's just not quite ready. They, the Cubs cannot rush him back. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, just to while we're talking about the Cubs, I don't think there's a player that's fallen more on my board than Christopher Morrell. Uh, yeah. He cannot stop striking out this this spring. It's 13 strikeouts the last I looked. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just cannot. He he had a huge strikeout problem at the end of last year. He started striking out close to 40 percent of the time for for quite a while. And it, it's just no good. You cannot be a major league hitter who strikes out that much. Right. right. Mm-hmm. he's got a great power speed blend. He's eligible to a lot of positions. And I just don't think the Cubs can play him, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think Patrick Wisdom's going to win that third base gig. And he's not that Huge. exciting fantasy either, either. And he does strike out a lot, but he's a decent defender. And at least he hits home runs. Yeah. Big right? power bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if there's someone that should, you know, maybe come in a 12 team league, Christopher Morrell has actually fallen off my board. I'm just mm-hmm. not interested because I, what I wanted to see this spring was him not striking out and he's done the opposite. Yeah, yeah. And it dawned on me while you were talking about Suzuki that um, people that have seen him had said that he kind of bulked up a little bit this offseason, gained some muscle. So the more muscle you have, sometimes that could lead to, to more injury, right? And then, you know, so that... that I wouldn't be... know personally, but I've heard that. I, I don't know. If, <laughs> well, I'm going to find out next week when I when I see you, because I've heard you're a pretty big guy. So... Yeah, well, Paul's <laughs> The core is not filled with muscles. There's not a lot to strain in here. Uh, Justin Turner, uh, man, it was ugly. He got got hit in the face. 16 stitches that may be coming out. Uh, they may be re- removing those stitches uh, today, Sunday, and you're going to hear this on Monday or whatnot. But uh, his ADP down 11.1% in ESPN leagues. Obviously, more of a, a corner infielder option for you in deeper leagues. Um. Yeah, Oscar Gonzalez down six point one percent, but he I think that's because like you mentioned, ESPN leagues are three outfielder leagues, right? So I mean he's a decent option in five outfielder leagues, but uh I still see him penciled in as the Guardians uh right fielder. But he's having a tough spring. I guess that could be part of it as well. Yeah, Justin Turner, um, he's not gonna miss opening day. It, it was an ugly injury, lots of blood, especially because it got him near the nose. Um yeah, you know, yeah. I'm I know Matt Manning probably did not feel good about what happened there, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, really my only concern with him was the power drop off last season, only 13 home runs compared to 27 in 2021. So I guess that stinks, but he's going to bat third for the Red Sox. And while I don't love their lineup overall, the top of it is still just fine. It looks like Tristan Cassis, Raphael Devers, Justin Turner, Masataka Yoshida, and Alex Verdugo all, you know, in the top half of that lineup. So, I do think he could be a good, you know, a good source of, of counting stats. I think he's someone who, if you're really trying to fill a corner infield spot, I, I think he's a guy to do it, right? You can mm-hmm. get him quite late in drafts. You know, the fact that he's falling is is interesting because again, this is not going to impact his season, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Turner is going into his age 38 season. Spring training is not a time for him to tweak. St- like he's not like messing with his swing, right? Like right, the, guy, right. the guy's going to be Justin Turner. So I, I like Justin Turner as a you know last round dart throw or maybe on your watch list if your third baseman for some reason starts missing some time or you need to fill in at your utility Justin Turner's right there mm-hmm. and he could definitely get you some like RBI. I said corner infield spot too yeah. uh if you wait on that so uh but let's talk about your Tigers man um Riley 
Green having a nice spring. Two home runs, seven RBI so far. 333 batting average post-hype sleeper, who I'm interested in, obviously. Uh, and you were uh, tweeting a lot about Spencer Torkelson, right, this week? Yeah, I was. Let's start with Riley Green. This guy's barreling the ball everywhere right now. He slowed down a little bit in his last few games, but... I, you know, I've heard some chatter that, you know, people are like, oh, well, what, what is Riley Green really going to do well? I think the first thing you have to remember is that, you know, Riley Green was a big prospect. And if you looked at the rolling charts, and I'm happy to show you again, if you ever want to ask uh, mm. at if the chew fits on Twitter, I'll show them to you. This guy really improved as the season went on. He got much better making contact. We saw the power, you know, we saw power stay very stable as he made more contact. So it's not as though he's trading it off. Riley Green is someone who I really think could make a big impact. And it, both in power and speed, he's got both. And I think the contact is going to be better than projections suspect. So when you're looking at, you know, a lot of folks are going to use an auction calculator. I think they're really important, but it's also important to pick out the guys who you think are going to do better than those auction calculator values say, mm-hmm. right? Riley Green is one of those guys for me who I just think will be better than that. Mm-hmm. Right. And not just because, I mean, having a hot spring is great. Seeing him hit the ball really, really hard. I mean, it's what well, I think it's uh, let, let me make the quick count here eight batted balls over a hundred miles an hour. Most of them over like at least half of them over 105 miles an hour, just ripping the ball. Only one of those is a ground ball, by the way, Hmm. just one, one of those is a hard hit ball. That's on the ground. Everything else is a line drive or a fly ball. Really love that. Speaking of that's what I'll talk about Spencer Torkelson, right? So, uh, spring training is a very small sample and that that's something that you just sort of have to deal with because it, it makes it so you'd think if you just saw that, if you hadn't watched Spencer Torkelson at all and you just look at his spring training numbers, you'd think, wow, this guy's been bad, right? He's doing really poorly. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Spencer Torkelson has actually uh, nine batted balls over 100 miles an hour, right? In fact, all almost all of them are over 105 miles an hour, right? Seven of them over 105 miles an hour. And of those seven batted balls, Seven batted balls over 105 miles an hour. One of them was a ground ball, right? Just Mm -hmm. one. And only two of them were hits, right? He has five barrels that were 105 miles an hour or harder. Five. Mm -hmm. Five. And you know how many hits he has for him? Zero. (laughs) Zero. He has five. Line out, fly out, line out, fly out, fly out. On balls hit. 105 two he actually had 110 mile an hour line drive as a line out 109.7 mile per hour fly ball out hmm. right now that'll happen a little bit in comerica but like this dude is wrecking the ball right he's not striking out a ton his strikeout numbers look a little worse than they should because spencer torkelson had one four strikeout game a little while back otherwise strikeout rate's been great um Actually, I might be confusing him with a kill, but I've been watching a lot of Tiger Spring training. <laughs> but Spencer Torkelson is Not spraying the again. ball. Yeah. <laughs> Spencer Torkelson is spraying the ball all over the place. He's hitting the ball really, really hard. I guess I wish he was pulling it a little bit more uh, mm. because that's going to get the ball over the fence. But I mean, you can't ask for more. Again, as a 12 in a 12 teamer, I can't tell you to start him as a top 12 uh, first base choice. But mm. definitely. I love him as a last round pick or close to last round. I love him as like that hitter on your bench because this was the best college hitter we've seen in a long time. And yes, it's true. Guys flame out, but this is like his third professional like year in pro ball, Mm -hmm. right? Like you don't say after two years, a guy's flamed out, 
right? Especially when only one of them was in the major leagues at all. He's taking some time to adjust. I think he's going to do it. We definitely saw him get much better at making contact, making decisions as the season went on. Last season, I think he's carried that into the spring, which is exactly what I want to see. I'm seeing him the ball really hard this spring, exactly what I wanted to see. Spencer Torkelson should be all over your radar late in drafts. And if he's not, it's because... You know, you're looking too much just at the results in spring training. It's the last thing you should look at. You know, whether you care a lot more about process in spring training than you do anything else. And it's really hard to get a look at what process is for these players because we don't talk to them every day. We don't get to hear them think in the box. But you do get to see, um, you, you know, you can look up the batted ball data, right? And he's got he's got nine, right? Nine batted balls over 100 miles an hour. Seven of them over 105 miles an hour. He does that in the regular season. I'm telling you, he's in those seven batted balls. He's slugging 429, hmm. right? Seven batted balls over 105 miles an hour. He's slugging 429. The league average, right? They're they're pretty much all barrels, right? The the league slugging average on a barrel is uh 1.5, right? Hmm. It's 1500, right? So that luck is going to turn around. I mean, it's just, it's the classic case of every time he hits a ball hard, it's like right at a guy line drive, but it's right at the center fielder, right? That will not continue. Yep. He's going to hit the ball a lot better. I, you got to move him up. So he, he's someone to keep an eye on. If we're going to talk about one more tiger, Parker Meadows just had a massive game, a couple of home runs. Uh, Parker, Parker Meadows is someone who I don't think he's going to start the season in there, but his stock has fallen a lot in dynasty leagues. And if you can get him, you know, for free, maybe he's even out there. Take a look at Parker Meadows. He's hitting the ball really well. And it's going to be, a, I think, a pretty active uh, outfield rotation for the Tigers early in the season as they try to find all the pieces they want for that outfield. They are going to try to win games after all. So just mm. something to keep an eye on. Really yeah. a big fan of of what some of these guys have have done in the spring. But most importantly, again, it's not just the results. Like just because the results are bad doesn't mean the the play is bad, right? Like mm-hmm. look at some of the batted ball data. Uh, look at the like look at the strikeouts. Look at the walks. Make sure that part's good. That's the part that means the most in spring training, not the fact that it fell for a single or a double. Gotcha. Okay. Good analysis. Uh, Spencer Torkelson expected to hit somewhere around, if you look at the major projection models, uh, 20 homer guy, going to be playing first base every day for the Tigers. So uh, definitely someone to keep on your radar free in drafts. And uh, Riley Green also going way deep in drafts. Somebody that I definitely will be looking into just because uh, of his pedigree. I mean, you know, so uh, we'll see having a nice spring as well. So good stuff from Scott. Um, and I think that's going to basically slam the lid on things for this week. Doesn't look like we're going to be able to put out a podcast next week because we're going to be uh, drafting all weekend uh, at uh, the Tout Wars event. So good luck to you, Scott. I'm, I'm really looking forward to meeting you in person. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, you say that because you haven't done it yet. So you try to hold on to this excitement and don't, don't, you know, I'll deflate it quickly when you meet me, but oh, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. And I'm excited to talk about the things that are happening. Um, you know, especially as we have even more spring data, right. And we'll have, you know, hopefully we can talk about a couple more guys who are really just wrecking the ball all over the place. Guys like Chris Bryant, Mm -hmm. uh, Although I will say, you know, before we go, there's one thing to really point out about uh, the spring training data, the stat cast data. It's really, really cool. There's just one thing you need to remember to do, and that's uh, sort of ignore 
Salt River Fields at Talking Stick. So Salt River Fields at Talking Stick, it's where the uh, Rockies play their spring training games. And that gun is crazy hot. Mm -hmm. Um, Almost all, like all of the top four hits, you know, all the top four hits in spring training in terms of exit velocity, all at Salt River. Wow. Right. And like the majority of the top uh, 13 to 15 are all at Salt River just because the gun's hot. Take a couple miles an hour. Take a, yeah, at least a couple miles an hour off uh, the exit velocity on on hits in that particular stadium. Hmm. Interesting stuff. Good stuff, Scott. All right. So follow this man at If the Chew Fits. You can follow me at Joe Galena. And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>